Live and local. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone. It's a Saints touchdown. It's time for two hours of the best sports talk on the airwaves. Here's your host, the Blonde Bomber, Jordy Holtberg. Good afternoon and welcome. Oh, what a gorgeous Chamber of Commerce day we have today. Let's bottle it up and get ready. Feels like springtime in January, Thursday. January 5th, the year 2023. We've got hoops. We've got football. We've got picks. We've got a fun two hours planned for you and yours. So without further ado, my main man, James Mesh, in the producer's chair, inside the game studio, spinning the tunes, pushing all the buttons. He's on the campus of Delta Media, which houses KLWB which is 1037 Lafayette. We're also on 1041 FM in Lake Charles. We're streaming around the world, 1037thegame.com, 1041thegame.com. And if you're in the Acadiana area and want to face to the voice, well, you can because you can turn your TV on as we're simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber. Did you miss the headlines of the day? Not to worry. The Blonde Bomber has you covered. Here is Holtberg's headlines. It wasn't a matter of if, it was a matter of when, and today is when, as the Texas Longhorns Athletic Department announced that they had fired basketball coach Chris Beard nearly a month after he was arrested on a third-degree felony assault charge for allegedly strangling, biting, and assaulting his fiancée in their home. Um, The Longhorns suspended Beard indefinitely without pay on December the 12th. If fired for cause... Texas has been exploring, and I think they've got it now. Beard would not be entitled to any salary or buyout money from the seven-year, $35 million contract he signed with the Longhorns ahead of the 21-22 season. The contract was set to run through 2028. Chris Beard fired as the head basketball coach at the University of Texas. The seventh-ranked LSU women's basketball team will be in the Pete Maravich Assembly Center tonight with a chance to tie the best start in program history when they take on the Texas A&M Aggies at 8 p.m. <coughs> excuse me, on the SEC Network and also right here because you can listen to pregame at 7.30, tip set for 8 p.m. right here on the game, 1037 Lafayette. <coughs> Excuse me, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. So Kim Mulkey's crew leads the nation in offense, 92.4 points per game, holds its opponents to just 51.2 points per game, the fourth fewest in the country. LSU had its best start in the 2002-2003 season when it began 15-0 and during Simone Augustus's freshman season. Kim Mulkey stressed yesterday that 
hey, we're not good enough to look past the Aggies. We're still a work in progress. We're a very talented team, but we haven't done anything yet. Yes, indeed. So um, Kim Mulkey's crew undefeated and rolling on. Pelicans were winners last night against the, oh, my gosh, the hapless Houston Rockets, my boy, um, Paul Silas's son. Uh, Steven Silas saw enough. He got ejected uh, with 6.3 seconds to go uh, in the first quarter as the Pels went on a 19-2 run to put this ball game out of reach. Uh, the Pels go on and win it quite easily over Houston, 119-108. Uh, to It wasn't even that close. It really wasn't. CJ McCollum led the way with 28 points. He was one of six Pelicans players to score in double figures. Get them while you can because Zion Williamson is out uh, for a minimum of three weeks, which means 11 games. And Williamson was averaging just shy of 30 points per game over a 15-game stretch. Those points are very difficult, and that production is very difficult to replace. But the Pels got it. Up next, the Brooklyn Nets come into town. The Nets had their 12-game winning streak snapped last night. And already the Nets are a four-point favorite in the ballgame for the Pels on Friday night. Yes, indeed. Um, Big-time hoops coming to the Smoothie King Center. Um, Tamar Hamlin updates. According to three days after arriving in critical condition at the University of Cincinnati Medical Center, uh, safety DeMar Hamlin is on the road to a remarkable recovery, doctors announced today. Uh, 24 years young, Hamlin suffered cardiac arrest after a tackle Monday against the Bengals. He required CPR and resuscitation before being taken by ambulance to the hospital's intensive care unit. Now, though still critically ill, Hamlin is awake moving his hands and legs, and communicating with medical personnel. That is awesome. He remains under care by the hospital's ICU staff, neurocritical care teams, trauma surgery personnel, and cardiac uh, cardiologists. According to Dr. William Knight IV, he still has significant progress he needs to make, but this marks a really good turning point in his ongoing care. It's been a long and difficult road for the past few days. He's been very sick, but has made a fairly remarkable improvement. Um, we'll get some thoughts on how the New Orleans Saints react. You know, it's a fraternity. And um, and DeMar Hamlin, I'm sure, played with somebody or played against somebody um, that's playing for the Saints, whether it had been in high school or in college. Uh, so we'll, we'll talk with Chris Rosevoglu about that. And um, as, as is life. Um, life goes on, games go on. We've got um, week 18 of the NFL season, uh, and it, uh, it starts uh, tonight. And we've got Kansas City versus, uh, well, no, not tonight. It starts Saturday, Kansas City, Las Vegas, Tennessee, Jacksonville, uh, two big games. 
Um, so we'll see. We'll we'll hear from the Saints. We'll we'll get Frank's impressions of everything along those lines. Got a good matchup um, for the Cajuns in basketball tonight against Southern Miss. We'll have. Um, Andrew Abadie coming up here shortly, who covers Southern Miss, and will give us a, an update on their uh, basketball team. Meanwhile, the Sunbelt Conference released UL's football home and away opponents for the 2023 season. The Cajuns will be hosting from inside the Sunbelt Conference. They'll be hosting Georgia State, Southern Miss, Texas State, and ULM at Cajun Field. UL will hit the road to square off against Arkansas State, Old Dominion, South Alabama, and Troy. The complete 2023 Sun Belt football schedule, including play dates, will be released by no later than March 1st, 2023, because you know why? Uh, they got to sell some season tickets, and season ticket renewals for the Cajuns will be available later this month. So, um, Cajuns will open up September 2nd at Cajun Field against Northwestern State. September 16th, well, they'll be at UAB. Uh, September 30th at Minnesota. Row, row, row your boat. October 14th, New Mexico State. Those are their non-conference opponents. So, um, Coach... Uh, year two of Coach Dez, uh, they're already underway getting plans done and getting things ready for all of that. Yes, indeed. Uh, last night in SEC Hoops, Georgia surprised Auburn, 22nd-ranked Auburn, in Athens, 76-64. Um, Texas A&M forgot their uniforms back at the their jerseys back at the hotel uh, it was about a 10, 15 minute delay. They got slapped with a delay of game technical foul. It didn't matter as the Aggies came on to win 66 63 over the Florida Gators. And the best matchup of the night in Bud Walton Arena, Fayetteville, Arkansas, 13th ranked Arkansas, 74, 20th ranked Missouri, 68. It was close um, throughout, but Arkansas prevailed. Arkansas prevailed. Yes, indeed. So uh, there you have some of your headlines of the day. And uh, tomorrow's King's Day. So King Cakes come out tomorrow. So you can get Mardi Gras started the right way with a real fun run. Trail presents the Lundy Gras Barathon Monday, February 20th. It's four miles through Freetown, just south of the parade route. Wear a costume, enjoy free drinks throughout the course, served at the Adult hydration stations. A party bus will follow close behind so runners can jump aboard at any time. Run all or some or none. The audience will vote for the winner of the costume contest, so bring your loudest, craziest friends. It's the Lundy Graw Barathon. Free drinks, food, prizes. Register now. LATrail.com. Or, all right, we'll take our first time out of the day. When we come back, we'll talk some raging Cajun hoops. After the uh, Cajuns opened up the Sunbelt Conference with a pair of close setbacks on the road, they're finally back home into the friendly confines of the Cajun Dome to host league rival and a very good Southern Miss ball club. We'll get a preview when we return. This is the Jordy Helpert Show. We're on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion, Houston Astros. 
Tune in every weekday at 8.15 a.m. and 3.15 p.m. for the LSU Sports Update, presented by Tibbs Trailers here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. All right, welcome back. Nice ball game tonight inside the Cajun Dome. Tip-off set for 7 o'clock. Game 3 of the Sun Belt Slate features Southern Miss traveling from Hattiesburg, coming to Lafayette to take on Bob Marlin's uh, Raging Cajuns. We are thrilled to be joined by uh, the sports editor at Pine Belt Sports, who is uh, covering Southern Miss, Mr. Andrew Abadie, making his first appearance with us. And we're very, very appreciative. Andrew, Nola raised. Good afternoon, sir, and thank you for your time. Thanks, Jordy. Thanks for having me on. What's happening? Uh, this this, uh, this uh, Southern Miss basketball team is pretty good. Got a win over got a win over Vanderbilt early in the season. They're thirteen and two. Tell me what you like about this ball club. Well, I, you know, I don't think anybody would have guessed them being thirteen and two. Uh, certainly not me. You know, last year they were seven and twenty six, which was the yeah. second worst season in school history. Uh, the worst being the one season they went winless. Uh, to give you context, but. Um, I mean, gosh, they're first off, they're veterans. Um, you know, this is one of the oldest teams in all of the NCAA. A lot of transfers um, that that were highly rated. They're a great defensive team. Been a little shaky the past couple games defensively, but overall, even on a bad day, they're still a very good defensive team. Um, just a lot of emerging stars. I mean, gosh, almost everybody's having breakout seasons, and it's been uh, it's been a lot of fun to watch. Southern Miss is uh, six and two all time at the Cajun Dome. Both of these clubs are ranked in the CollegeInsider.com top twenty-five mid-major poll. Southern Miss is fifth. Um, the Raging Cajuns ranked eleventh. Um, Jay Ladner, remember he was at Southeastern. He came over. Boy, he had to do something in hurry. He hit the portal, and the portal has been very good to Southern Miss this season, hasn't it? Yeah, that's a that's an understatement. Um, that you know, probably two of the biggest names that they that they landed that you know Cajun fans will hear frequently throughout tonight's game. Uh, the first one being uh, Austin Crowley, who is a Ole Miss transfer. He was one of the highest, I think he was the highest rated player in Mississippi three or four years ago. Yeah, spent three years on the bench for the Rebels. Was a solid player, just didn't get playing time has come to Southern Miss and leading the team in points per game. I think he's a, a candidate for Sunbelt Player of the Year, quite honestly. Okay. Uh, another guy that they brought in, Felipe Hase, who is a uh, Chilean national, but he's been around. Um, spent his first two years at South Carolina, the last two at, uh, at Mercer. And, um, you know, he had uh, a lot of pro offers overseas. And, um, you know, he, he's been an incredible player. He, he's... Uh, you know, the, the glue for them, so to speak, in that locker room. He's a big-time veteran. And the, it's, what's amazing has been all these guys, most of which didn't know each other, and their chemistry from the very beginning of the season ha- has just been incredible. And that's something else that you kind of see with with all these guys. I mean, their chemistry is just uh, its remarkable, uh, given that none of these guys played together last year. Uh, Andrew Abadie with us. Uh, we, we saw Southern Miss enter into the Sun Belt. Um, and good job in football. I, I think they're such a great addition. Are they enjoying being it, being in this conference now? 
Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, every Conference USA for the last few years has kind of been the butt of the joke. Um, and, you know, it's just uh, – it, it makes so much more sense. You just look at travel alone. I mean, yeah. Southern Miss uh, projected a million-dollar turnaround in one year of joining the Sun Belt because they were going to save half a million dollars in just travel. You have local rivalries. You know, UL and Southern Miss always played each other in non-conference and, you know, that's the same case with ULM, South Alabama, Troy. I mean, it's just a, it's an absolutely perfect marriage for Southern Miss. And, you know, Sun Belt has, you know, they stuck to this uh, Southern footprint. And the, the one state that they were missing was, was Mississippi. And it's been, uh, it's been quite great so far. I'm very curious to see how uh, baseball season goes for sure. But um, I tell you what, I did not, I had kind of low expectations for, for, Sunbelt basketball, just because the league hasn't been particularly great in the past. And Conference USA, believe it or not, is, is traditionally a very good basketball conference. Yeah. And uh, this year has been very exciting so far uh, to see the first few games. A lot of a lot of teams could easily be contenders, and it one shocked me if this is a two-bid league this year. Yeah, I think uh, I think you're absolutely correct. These are these are, and this is a this is a really good matchup. Um, it's strength versus weakness. The Cajuns uh, give up a, a very high field goal percentage, um, and unfortunately, they're playing a team that that shoots the ball pretty good in Southern Miss. Yeah, that might be a little deceiving in a sense. I mean they they like to attack the inside of the paint. Um, you know they're not a particularly great three ball shooting team. They had a, they had a little stretch where they were figuring out beyond the arc, but mm-hmm. um, you know, they're, they're going to attack the inside and, you know, for them, like I kind of mentioned before, their defense sparks their offense. Their turnovers are, that's the number you have to watch this entire game. If, if Southern Miss is below five turners turnovers and they forced at least 10 by halftime, uh, usually that's a win for the golden Eagles. They're big on transition. This is a team that likes to press and, and, and full-court press often throughout the game, and they really just kind of smother entire teams out. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that's kind of the, the difference is that you just have to watch the turnovers the entire night of the game because that usually tells you the entire story. They've had such a good year, but you get in the conference play and you can see how things change. A four-point win at home over Troy, a six-point win at home over App State. Now they get on the road. Uh, Your only losses were to UNLV in Vegas. That must have been a fun little trip. Uh, And then you lost to Northwestern State up there in uh, in Natchitoches by by two. So other than that, uh, it's been quite quite a season to boot. I, I always look at SEC schools and you handled Vanderbilt in Nashville, sixty to forty-eight, uh, early in the season back in November. So that tells me an awful lot about this club and how that portal, like you mentioned, guys coming from Ole Miss, another guy who played at South Carolina, now at Mercer. They they're kind of used to playing in those kind of games, and that's that veteranship, man, that helps. Yeah, most definitely. And you know, to say a couple things about their two losses. First off, uh, just for Louisiana sports fans, Northwestern State was probably one of the best teams that they have played. Those guys are remarkable, and if they're not in the NCAA tournament and winning their conference, I will be shocked. Um, that was a one-point buzzer beater um, to end that game. Um, they were really, really impressive. Um, and then you know, UNLV at the time was ten and one on the road. Uh, Southern Miss particularly did not play. Uh, great in that game, but they were also banged up. Uh, they, they've been without two starters up until uh, 
uh, I want to say, really when conference started. And, you know, they're still waiting on another starter to come back, one of their starting point guards. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, they had a brief time period where they were banged up, really three guys short, and they are still winning these games pretty handily. Um, So Southern Miss is still not quite at its uh, full potential, which is just kind of fun to think about in a sense. But, um, yeah, like I said, I I never would have guessed 13-2, and especially with, you know, a lot of these guys are – you know they've been good players elsewhere, and but you know they were all on losing teams. Uh, I don't want to say Island of Misfit Toys, but maybe something <laughs> along those lines. Um, I used to tell people that if you've ever seen the movie Major League and the fans are looking at, you know, uh, they're panning to the fans, showing the roster, and the fans are like, "Who the heck are these guys?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the feeling that was in Hattiesburg. And a friend of mine, after I watched him a couple practices, uh, mentioned to me, you know. You make that reference, but that that Cleveland Indians team made a run, and that's certainly been the case for Southern Miss. I love it. I love it. We'll find out more about the Golden Eagles. You've got uh, you're in Lafayette today. You're in Monroe on Saturday. Uh, Next Thursday, you're in Huntington, West Virginia, to take on Marshall, and then you head to Jonesboro, Arkansas, to take on Arkansas State. Four consecutive road games. If uh, if they come out of that thing uh, two and two or three and one, yep. Now you're talking business. You know what I mean? No doubt. And, you know, UL, uh, Louisiana, ULM, Marshall, all three are off to great starts. Marshall was a regular contender in CUSA, and that game's actually been elevated to uh, ESPN2 for that broadcast. Uh, So, yeah, those are all three big games. And and I don't want to, you know, knock down Arkansas State because I know they've had good teams in the past. But, yeah, this is a brutal four-game stand. I do think the one good thing about it, though, is that they're getting us out of way before school comes back. And I think Ah. you're going to go into hostile environments, but not like they typically would be. And then when they come back for the home games, school will be back for Southern Miss. And Reed Green Coliseum, uh, which has been – you know, having 3,000-plus crowds regularly without the students, without the pet band, I'm, I'm imagining what by if, if they come out of this 2-2, two and two, uh, they'll host South Alabama. I'm, I'm going to imagine that might be a sold-out crowd or, or, or coming yeah. close to it. That'd be awesome. Uh, Andrew Abity, I can't thank you enough. You know, we, uh, you know, I'm from New Orleans as well, so when we say, where'd you go to school, like, you know what I'm talking about. So where did you go to school? <laughs> yeah, uh, a proud Holy Cross grad. Um, oh, you know, geez. love my Tigers. Um, actually, okay, went to the Cotton Bowl to go watch be on this show because I was, a, well, and that was, I was a proud Della so, yeah, Cavalier, uh, proud so I don't know if I can have you back again. Oh, say that again. I'm sorry. I said I, I'm a proud Della Salle Cavalier. I don't know if I can have you back on this show again. I don't know. Oh, well, you know, <laughs> um, yeah, I, 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 I would understand. But at least you didn't I'm go to Keswick. I'm just kidding you, know? you, Andrew. I'm just kidding, buddy. Uh, <laughs> look, I really do appreciate your time, and uh, thank you for updating us on a really good Southern Miss basketball team. Should be a heck of a game tonight inside the Cajun Dome. And I really do appreciate it. And Happy New Year, and thanks for coming on the show. Yeah, thank you again for having me, and likewise. Look, we got baseball season and we got football season, so I got you on speed dial, all right? There you go. Anytime. All right, buddy. Thank you so much. I really do appreciate it. Andrew Abadie, 7 o'clock tip inside the Cajun Dome, game three of the Sunbelt Conference, Southern Miss 2-0.
UL 0-2, kind of an important night to say the very, very least. If you didn't get what you wanted from Santa, no worries. We have the gifts you really want in the Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. As a member of our rewards club, you'll have the opportunity to score excellent prizes like a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's Takeouse at Cypress Bayou Casino Resort or a $25 gift certificate to Mabel's Kitchen at Cypress Bayou Casino Resort. We also now have four $40 gift cards to Misfits Dine and Drink in Broussard and a $50 gift certificate to Richard Seafood Patio in Abbeville. But you can only score these prizes by become our, becoming a member of the Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. Let me ask you, you listen to this show. If you haven't joined it by now, what's what, what's the holdup? I, I mean, it's free. It's simple. Sign up today. You've got everything to win. Absolutely nothing. Absolutely nothing to lose. Nothing. So sign up. All right. We'll take a quick break when we come back um, at 14 Southeastern. Blake Lavelle. We'll talk national championship game and we'll talk SEC hoops as we roll on this gorgeous, gorgeous Thursday, January 5th edition of the Jordy Helpert Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. You're home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champs, the Houston Astros. He's been a star on the hardwood and in the broadcast chair. So what's the secret to the Blonde Bomber's success? Easy. Taking time to work on his tan. You look marvelous. Back to more of the tanned and talented Jordy Holtberg on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Hi, welcome back. Uh, it's always a pleasure and a thrill for me to get our next guest on because I really value his insight and his opinion when it comes to the league where it just means more, the Southeastern Conference. Thus, he's part of At 14 Southeastern. It's uh, the one and only Mr. Blake Lavelle, also part of the Blue Ribbon Yearbook, the Basketball Bible to basketball fans. Happy New Year, Blake. How you doing, my friend? Yes, thank you. You're already doing well. Good to talk to you as always. All right, well, we've got one college football game left, and we got a couple of SEC hoop games under our belt. I kind of wanted to get your, your thoughts on both matters. Um, TCU Georgia going to play out there in SoFi in, law, in Los Angeles, where much to the chagrin of college football purists, um, Mr. Stan Kroenke, who owns the facility, well, is not allowing tailgating before the championship. How can you not have tailgating and a college football game, Blake? Yeah, that's uh, not really reading the room there, I think, when you uh, understand <laughs> how important that is to, to the game itself. So, yeah, it's definitely uh, an unusual um, idea, to say the least, but um, maybe not the first from, from Stan Kroenke over the years. Um, right. But, uh, right. yeah, it, it's it's obviously a very interesting matchup. You know, I think that – I feel like I go back um, a couple months ago, I just said there, there's something about this TCU team and – you know, we're having yeah. all the conversations about the rankings and such, and I think more scenarios people are playing out was how does TCU get knocked out of this versus how does TCU stay in this? And you know, he's kept looking at them, and like they just kept finding ways to win and finding ways to win, and you know, they did that again against Michigan. Um, and now, you know, they face their their biggest test of the season against the Georgia team. That let's face it, looked down and out, looked completely done. Uh, looked like Ohio State yeah. was pretty much had their number, but. As usual, Georgia just finds a way, and 
Um, need a little luck, but sometimes that's all that matters is uh, not exactly right. how you get to the point you get to, but it's that you get there. And um, for the second straight year, here Georgia is uh, having a chance to, to repeat as national champion. I've never seen a team in any sport at any time that didn't have a little luck on their side to get to their final destination point. So um, I'm with you. Boy, there is something about this TCU team. You, you, you know, you try and step on them and they just keep getting up and they keep getting up and they keep punching and punching. And that quarterback is something that linebacker they've got is something. I, I don't know who's going to win on Monday, but I, I mean, I, are you surprised that George is favored by double digits? Yeah, I mean, the only thinking here to me is just that, you know, it's being seen, the Ohio State game is being seen for Georgia as kind of a reset where, all right, you know, everybody came in, we're all thinking that Georgia is just going to run away with this thing again, doesn't matter who the opponents were going to be. Um, but, you know, you saw how that game played out, and maybe, like you said, it's, you get that luck back on your side, Georgia's able to kind of exhale um, and now kind of reset. And, again, play a team that a lot of people thought would not be in the spot in TCU. And probably when you dive a little bit more into the numbers, um, matchup-wise, I think there's certainly a lot of things Georgia um, can do to TCU that, you know, maybe could not do to Ohio State just based on some of the um, the matchups. So I think, yeah, a little surprised that that number would be as high as it is because, um, you know, again, I just, you know, and, and maybe that's the hard part is just finding out what is that something the TCU has that just seems to keep them right there every single time. And um, I think TCU has actually been one of the better teams against the spread this season. So uh, if you're betting against them, it's not been a great uh, pass to, to winning some money because they've been pretty good this season in that regard. And, you know, you look at this Georgia team and I don't know. I mean, I, I would say I wouldn't be confident putting the number that high. I'll say that. I don't know how many other people are probably right there with me, but um, I think that feels a little bit too high to me. So. I'm with you 100%. Um, Georgia loses its quarterback. Alabama loses its quarterback. Tennessee loses its quarterback. Kentucky loses its quarterback. LSU's getting its quarterback back. It should be an interesting kind of a scenario as we get ready for next season and what all the pundits are thinking about. Yeah, Georgia's going to reload. Bama's going to reload. But, man, that that position of quarterback, if you've got somebody coming back like LSU and Jaden Daniels with all the players surrounding him – Boy, you got to like LSU's chances, don't you? Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. I think, like you said, that's, that's the, the position we always talk about going to the season and knowing all the guys that are leaving the conference versus uh, the, the smaller number of guys that are going to stay in the conference. And obviously, you know, there will be teams that have picked up guys via the transfer portal. Obviously, Kentucky had a nice pickup with, with Devin Leary coming in. But, but Jaden Daniels is kind of the, you know, he's ahead of the class right now in terms of looking at him and what the expectations are going to be next season and um, I think the other day we were kind of looking at their schedule certainly they, they had the rematch with Florida State um, you know they've got yeah. tough road games as usual they'll have they'll go to Mississippi State they'll go to Ole Miss had to go to Bama uh, but everything else you know you feel like kind of sets up okay for LSU and being able mm-hmm. to really put together another good season and like we talked about before um, certainly had a schedule based on how this season started and where it got to and now when you see kind of what Jaden Daniels has become um, I don't think there's any doubt that the expectations are only going to get higher. And to me, Brian Kelly's only going to continue to make the roster better. Um, yeah. And yeah, I think that sets up very nicely for the, the defending SEC West champions. How about that, huh? 10 wins. Who'd have thunk that? Blake Lavelle at 14 Southeastern. Um, 
Uh, I had heard that he was going to get hired. Then he goes to UNLV, and now he's going to, to Texas A&M. Your initial reaction to Bobby Petrino joining forces with Jimbo Fisher in Texas A&M? Yeah, I feel like for a lot of people outside of um, A&M probably, it's kind of that, that scene in the movie where the, the two villains just decide to join forces because they realize they, they can't beat – you know, the hero alone. So let's just join up together and let's see if we can actually do this. And that's kind of what it feels like to me. And again, I'm not, I have no opinion on either guy, but if you're a non-Texas A&M fan, that's probably what a lot of people are looking at. It's just that, as you see, Petrino coming back to the SEC and Jimbo in a spot where, as we said, they were the most disappointing team in the country this past season. And now, you know, needing to get something that offensively, some sort of boost that it clearly just was not working with Jimbo doing the the heavy lifting on the offensive side. Um, Now you bring in a guy that's certainly known for his offense and can it work? Can they get it figured out? You would tend to think that that it can because the talent will be there. Um, And yeah, I mean, it's a, it's one of those things that you just never think, you know, think about, you just never assume that they match like this is going to come together. Uh, But when it does, you can see why it makes a lot of sense for A&M, why it makes a lot of sense for Jimbo Fisher, given the spot that he's in, and why it makes a lot of sense for Bobby Petrino, who you know, may eventually get another head coaching job at this you know, stage of the game. And I, I'm not just talking about it at Missouri State. I'm talking about it at a, a yeah. higher level. Um, so, yeah, lots of wild possibilities with that combination. It's amazing when you, when you know you got about $80 million or 80, whatever it is, if, if things go south, um, you can make these type of decisions that says, I don't care what everybody else thinks. That's a, they can have their yeah. opinion. I'm just going to do what I want to do because because I like it here. I want to save my job, and I got to get this offense into this century because Jimbo's been doing the same things that he was doing 20 years ago, whatever, however long ago, and he needs to upgrade yeah. a little bit. So it's amazing when you got that in your back pocket, right? Yeah, and, and I think after a season like this, you know, you can – Basically say, look, do you want this to happen again? I know what you're paying me. I don't want this to happen again. You don't want me to, you don't want this to happen again. Yeah. So if you want us to be very confident in our ability to get back on track, here's a move we can make that will drastically change the way our offense looks. And, and that's the promise you're making. Now, can you deliver on that promise? We'll see. But I think that's the promise that the Jimbo's out um, to make here. And like I said, I think you'd be confident in feeling like they can do it now. With someone like that there between the two of them, surely they can figure out something offensively. Um, but like we said, that that was just a big problem this past season, and I would think now that that alleviates some of those issues for sure. All right, Blake Lavelle at 14th Southeastern. I mentioned he's part of the Blue Ribbon Basketball Yearbook, which means he is very up when it comes to college hoops uh, i think it's going to be another great year there's no clear-cut number one favorite there's a bunch of really good teams how do you fa- how do you uh, value the sec looks like we got some really good teams at the top and we got some not so really good teams at the bottom kind of a uh half and half kind of a league you know what i mean yeah, I think more so this year than maybe several in years past. I think there is a definitive line that's drawn in several places with the SEC this season. I think there's two elite, elite teams, and I think that's Alabama and Tennessee. Um, I think Arkansas is close, but I don't know that I would put them in that spot just based on not having Nick Smith. If Nick Smith returns, then I think you can put Arkansas back in that conversation. 
I think Missouri's in the same picture with Arkansas. I didn't take anything away from Missouri's loss at Arkansas last night. It made me think that I should rethink anything about the Tigers. I think they're really good, and I think their offense will give them a chance in the way they force turnovers to beat anybody on their schedule. Uh, but then, you know, I don't think Auburn is as good as people have mm-hmm. thought Auburn is to this point. We kind of saw that at Georgia. I just don't think they're very good offensively. I think that's going to be a problem for them. Kentucky, and wait and see as well. Uh, you know, I don't think they can get there offensively. Maybe they proved me wrong on Saturday against Alabama. Um, so I, I really, the way I look at it is you've got, like I said, I think four teams, and it's interesting who those four are, Alabama, Tennessee, Missouri, Arkansas, that I feel pretty confident that can figure it out, maybe have a chance to make a you know second weekend type run in the NCAA tournament. Beyond that, you know, Auburn, Kentucky, more questions than answers. I actually think LSU, which we've talked about a lot, Jordy, I think maybe in an, in an instance I, I would even favor LSU in a neutral court environment over a Kentucky or an Auburn because I still think LSU has some things that they do very well that yeah. could give both those teams trouble. Obviously, we saw the Kentucky-LSU game the other night. That's a game that goes right down to the wire. I thought LSU did a lot of good things there. They had their chances, but winning it rough, as we know, is just a difficult thing. So, right. yeah, the SEC is a really, really strange one because I don't think the league is as strong from top to bottom as we've seen in recent years. Uh, and I think you just got a lot of teams that are kind of in that average category um, that are really trying to get above that. Uh, but I really think the teams with the best chance to do it, like I said, are you know an LSU or maybe even Georgia comes out of nowhere and surprises us. We'll see. Yeah. Uh, Blake Lavelle with us. Um, Look, it's two games. It's early. LSU beats Arkansas at home. They go down to the wire against Kentucky. Uh, I'm sold on one thing. Matt McMahon can coach. He he can coach basketball. The question is, can he go get players? Now, you know, he's he's using kids from Murray State and all, and they're really good players. We'll see how it fans out over the, the course of this long, long season. But that man can coach. I think I think with Scott Woodward, he's hired Brian Kelly. He's hired Kim Mulkey. He's hired Jake Johnson in base, baseball. Um, and he's got Matt McMahon. My goodness, I don't know if you can get much better than that as a collective group. Yep. No, it's a very talented group, and you're right. I mean, he's someone that we always kind of looked at as he's a guy that's going to get an opportunity somewhere just given you know his coaching ability and certainly what he did at Murray State and ways he's able to develop his players there and um, you know, you, you think about just kind of this season, right? I mean, they're 12 and 2. Obviously, you know, their season can look a lot different both ways because this is a team, yeah. I think I did the math on this, Jordy. I think it is seven, seven of their last, I don't know what the number is, um, maybe seven of their last eight or, or nine or 10 games, I think, have been decided by four points or less. Um, of course, they lose the one by two to Kansas State, lose to Kentucky by three. Um, just a lot of close games, but I think there's something to, the fact that when you can mold your team into one that finds a way to win these close games, like Arkansas, um, you know, like a Wake Forest, games like that, um, that that means a lot going forward. You may still lose some of those just because of the law of averages, but I think they're in a really good spot. In all honesty, they're in a better spot than I thought they'd be into this point, um, and they've really got a chance outside of what's going to be a really tough schedule coming up, as we know, um, for, for about the next month. Um, I think they've got a chance to make some strides, and that's where – because of the schedule you're playing, if they pick up some wins against these teams, you know, they, they, they've got home games against a Tennessee, um, you know, a team like Alabama. You start to pick up those kind of wins, then you enter the conversation. And, look, I don't know that I thought LSU would be in that conversation necessarily at this point right now. 
Um, but yeah, he's he's doing a really good job there so far. He is Blake Lavelle at 14 Southeastern. Alabama kind of does it with a high-powered offense. Tennessee does it with a with a really good defense. If those two teams meet on a neutral court, who are you picking? Yeah, it's that. That's a tough one, right? Because we always have that debate when it comes to great offenses against great defenses. And um, I think I still lean on Alabama because I think they've got the best player, Brandon Miller. And yeah. I would probably still go with the Tide right now. But you know, what's interesting to me is this league. We've said it for a while, but I think this year it's more evident. This is a league that's built around great defenses, and there aren't that many great offensive teams. Alabama, Missouri, those are great offensive teams to me, and I think that's where you get an Alabama that can overpower. I mean, look what they did to a Mississippi State, which Mississippi State is not as good as their record indicated a few mm-hmm. weeks ago. Um, we've seen that recently, but like Alabama can kind of carve up anyone, I think, and so – um, I would probably trust them more to get it done offensively, but boy, that's a tight game. They're 1A and 1B right now to me in the SEC. And as I said to someone the other day, I mean, to me, both those teams are good enough to make the Final Four. A lot's got to come together, uh, but because they specialize in certain things and they're so good in certain areas, um, they've got what it takes, I think, to get there. So, um, Biggest surprise team in the conference, biggest disappointment early on? Yeah, I mean – you know, I, I'm probably not as surprised Missouri has been good. I'm a little surprised they've been as good as they have been. Uh, I was probably higher on them than most just because I've, I've always been a big Dennis Gates fan and just seeing what he did at Cleveland State to completely turn that, that program around, I don't think there's any doubt that, you know, I didn't have a lot of doubt that he could do this, but I don't know that I thought he could do what he's done to this point. Like, he, he's mm-hmm. done it much quicker than I would have expected. I think you got to put Missouri in there, but I also think you can't forget about Georgia because Georgia's 11 and three. They won six yeah. games last year. Program bottomed out, but I think I told you way back when I said, Jordy, I think Mike White is a good hire there. I think it's a perfect fit for both parties. And look at what he's he done so far. I get a yeah. a very kind of season defining win to this point against Auburn. Um, so I think Missouri and Georgia surprise and most disappointing to me. I think it's got to be Florida. Every every good team Florida played or above average team they've lost to and mm-hmm. you know some of those games have been close that just happens like we said but man that's that's frustrating that they don't have a good win on their schedule and it is january the 5th they're seven and seven mm-hmm. um with colin castleton there a top five player in the league i just think that's got to be seen as a disappointment right now and yeah so i think todd golden can figure it out but and i don't think this team has met expectations certainly to this point they even uh, started a game last night against uh, Texas A&M at home uh, with a technical foul in their favor because those poor student managers for the Aggies left the jerseys back at the hotel and the game was delayed about 15, 20 minutes. Ooh, I wouldn't want to be that manager for the coaches that, that I've been around or that I played for. That's not fun. No, Buzz, Buzz doesn't say, even though Buzz kind of defended them in the post-game press conference, he doesn't seem like the kind of guy that I'd want to be around as a manager in that kind yeah. of scenario. So, um, yeah. 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 Well, it's early. We'll see. Uh, some some teams have played two games. Some have played one. Uh, we shall see how it all unfolds. But thank you so much for your time, as always. You do have Georgia winning the championship game Monday night? I'm going to go with the, the dogs. I think you got to pick them again. And, boy, if they, if they do it again, um, wow. the, the, the conversation shifts, doesn't it? So <laughs> It really does. No it really Alabama's does. Conference. It's Georgia's conference. So, yeah. oh, 
Yeah, dogs versus frogs. Blake Lavelle, thank you so much. Thanks, Jordy. You're the best. Blake Lavelle at 14 Southeastern. We'll take a timeout. Uh, we'll come back. We'll wrap up our number one, set the stage for our number two. This is the Jordy Helford Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion Houston Astros. <laughs> Jordy Holberg was draining three-pointers with ease way before Steph Curry came on the scene or was even born. Now, back to the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Uh, we're back. Quick wrap-up to our number one. Coming up, our number two, we'll get the, the Saints' reaction to the events that occurred uh, Monday night in Cincinnati uh, with uh, the latest uh, as the recovery process is showing good signs for DeMar Hamlin. Uh, we'll get Chris Roseverglue to talk about that and his reaction to it. Uh, Frank Schwab will join us in this hour uh, coming up to give his week 18 picks and his thoughts on Cincinnati Buffalo, what does the NFL do? As of right now, they've come out with no statement. Week 18 games will go on as planned. Um, Are they waiting to see how things unfold before they make a decision to play that game, resume it, or not? Uh, We shall see. Um, Time will tell. Time will tell. Tough decisions, um, big-time decisions have to be made because, um, as always, follow, 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 the the money uh, they say they're not going to resume it uh but we'll see we'll see we'll see we'll see what happens after after week 18 um so we'll go from there all right our number one's in the books if you missed anything go to 1037thegame.com on demand you can find it later on but we'll be back our number two straight ahead here on the jordy helper show Live and local, this is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone. It's a Saints touchdown. It's time for two hours of the best sports talk on the airwaves. Here's your host, the Blonde Bomber, Jordy Holtberg. Hour number two of two, and away we go. Um, a lot of NFL focus in this hour. The Saints will close things out Sunday um, against the Carolina Panthers. Meaningless game as far as the rest of the league is concerned, but uh, important game for uh, the Saints as they try, you know, that uh, seven and ten. Yeah, doesn't look nearly as good as eight and nine, right? So, um, important game for the Saints. Panthers six and ten. New Orleans seven and nine. One more game to go. So, let's bring in our our good friend and uh, somebody I value very, very much. His opinion on things. That's Mr. Chris Rosevaglue. Chris, uh, first time in the new year, buddy. I hope twenty twenty three is going well for you so far. Yeah, no complaints so far. I mean, we haven't, you know, the Saints are undefeated in 2023. I know it's been one game, so I'll I'll definitely take that and and try and look at it uh, glass half full. I'm with you. Um, Three-game winning streak. Uh, 
there's no way I, I would have predicted that going into Cleveland and winning, going into Philadelphia, a, 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 a game of meaningfulness for the Eagles. And you you play great defensively and you win that one uh, three in a row. Now you get to host Carolina. I'm curious um, with the DeMar Hamlin situation, um, how the Saint, what the Saints reaction to this has been from from an outside uh, looking in, although they're part of that football fraternity, so it it hits everybody involved. What, how are the Saints? What's the Saints' reaction to this? Yeah, so you mentioned the football fraternity side of it. That's why you know on Tuesday and on, even on Wednesday, you see how um, you know Tuesday no media availability for everyone. They kind of kind of took a day off and reset as they should. And and even right. Wednesday, you know when Dennis Allen speaks to the media, the first thing he really talks about is you know a sending his well wishes to Demar Hamlin and his family, but b then talking about how this isn't just one of those situations where oh because it happened in the Bills Bengals game you can overlook it. Like unfortunately. The, the reality is that could happen to any player at any moment, um, yeah. and th- that kind of settles in, and, and it's a tough thing to grasp. So uh, they had a psychologist speak to the team, and I, I think the, the great thing about not just the Saints, but a lot of these teams right now, they've done a good job of, of saying, hey, we're not just going to, after 24 hours, move on and act like it didn't happen. It did happen, and whether it's mental health support, whether it's just giving people the, those days off to just kind of get their mind right, whatever it may be, I think every team's done a good job of it. And at the end of the day, um, although it is scary, at the same time, these players know that, like, football is kind of that escape for them. And I think you'll see a lot of, you know, people being loose on Sunday. And and I think you'll see that from the Saints team. You know, it obviously hurts to see, but it seems like the mindset's still right in the locker room. I read a story where uh, Andy Dalton and his wife, J.J., have the Andy and J.J. Dalton Foundation. They contributed to DeMar Hamlin's GoFundMe page, and there was a reason for it, um, paying back, kind of giving back, because uh, the Buffalo fan base, after Dalton threw a game-winning touchdown against the Baltimore Ravens in Week 17 of the year 2017, um, which cleared the way for the Bills to end a 17-year postseason drought, they dumped a ton of money into their foundation, over a, over a half a million dollars from the Bills Mafia. So um, quite a nice gesture on the Dalton's part to, hey, you were nice to us. We're going to contribute here. So I thought that was a pretty cool story. Oh, I thought it was fantastic. And and that's the type of guy that Andy Dalton is. And I think the awesome part about that is, and I'm not, you know, obviously it's not a race about who's first in donating and whatnot, but, you know, after that whole donation came in, uh, you really saw a lot of guys come to the forefront. Tom Brady, Devin McCourty, Russell Wilson, uh, a lot of these players just going out and donating money, and uh, it's pretty cool to see that. I, you know, over yesterday, it was over $5 million that was donated to his toy drive fundraiser, and I think it's just great to see. And it goes back to what you said about, you know, the camaraderie that the NFL does have. And it doesn't matter if your teammates or opponents on any given week, these guys all do care about each other, and they know uh, what comes with the risk of playing this game. 
It's amazing. Uh, unfortunately, through tragedy, uh, others benefit. Uh, all Hamlet wanted to do was raise $2,500 for toy drives, back-to-school drives, kids' camps. As of late yesterday afternoon, uh, that 2500 has swelled to $7 million. So a lot of kids will benefit from this. Uh, again, he's showing improvement. Uh, whether he ever plays football again or not is, is so far down the line that the fact that he is a Alive and hopefully we'll have a uh, a normal life that is uh that is remarkable what um don't the saints have something to play for on on sunday as compared maybe to the carolina panthers don't you give the edge from a from a motivational standpoint to new orleans i would say you know it kind of works for both ways you can make an argument because i think for the panthers you know steve wilkes is still kind of coaching to say hey i should be that full-time head coach in Carolina. But I think from New Orleans' perspective, yeah, they, they want to finish it strong. And I, and I go back to when they come out of the bye week after losing that game to the Buccaneers, and you talk about how season's probably over, you're 4-9, and nine, and, and look, they're, they're not going to make the playoffs, obviously, but you, you want to finish 4-0. And, oh, and Pete Warner sat there and told the media, he said, hey, we're going to finish these last four games 4-0. and oh, That's the goal. And they're right there on the doorstep. And I think for them, look, uh, does 8-9 and nine make this season that much better? Probably not, but look, there's optimism to come into that. And I think that you always want to finish the season on a positive note, and hopefully that carries to the next year. And I think for Dennis Allen, if the defense continues to play the way it's been playing, that's a plus going into next year. And the fact that the locker room hasn't quit on him, that's a plus you can take into next season. So, um, And also, this is the division aspect. The Saints lost the first time against Carolina. They like to finish the season winning you know, a division game against the Falcons and then a division game against the Panthers and wrapping it up. So there is definitely motivation there. There's a lot of veterans in the locker room who they play for pride, and that's a good thing. And uh, I, I would imagine Carolina's going to want this one bad too, though. I know they're just going to miss out on the playoffs, and that's got to sting. But um, I, I'll, I'll give the edge to New Orleans right now. They have just been playing um, a really good brand of football in terms of defense. I know the offense still has woes, but they have not given up 18 points or more in the last, I believe, four or five games, and it's just been remarkable Amazing. to see. And uh, to that point, Cam Jordan uh, earned his fifth career NFC Defensive Player of the Week honor with with three sacks. So during this very difficult season, you saw some of the, the um, more veteran Saints, what they did, but you also saw some newcomers like Rashid Shahid. Where the heck did they come up with him? Caden Ellis has had quite a resurgence. So through all the fog of this thing, uh, some players – Mm-hmm. other players rose up and, and the future looks bright for them. Yeah, it does. And you mentioned Rashid Shaheed, two guys that I think have really elevated, you know, the offense going into next year. It's going to be Rashid Shaheed who has shown that he's more than a big play threat. I mean, this is a player who, you know, just last week was targeted six times, caught all six targets, made a big yep. play down the field, made a big play on a crucial third down. Like he is starting to show that, He's not just a one-trick pony. He's a legitimate wide receiver in this league. And I want to give credit to Jawan Johnson at tight end, who has over 40 catches. He's going to have seven touchdowns or even more, depending on how he does in Week 18. And he's another player. You know, tight end was a concern coming into this year. And, look, you still want to kind of brush that position up. But it's no longer a huge concern because he's taken that next step. And he's a restricted free agent. I'm sure the Saints will love to bring him back. And even on defense, two guys that have really stepped up you mentioned Cam Jordan, what he's been able to do. I call him the ageless wonder, but Caden yep. Ellis and Carl Granderson, two players that I'd say the last month of the season have shown that they can make an impact in Dennis Allen's scheme, and uh, you love to see that. So I, uh, to your point, like 
Yeah, even when the season doesn't go the way you want, you got to look at the positives. And I think there's a lot of young guys on this Saints team that have stepped up, and now you just hope that you could kind of channel that into the start of the 2023 season. Everybody has to play through injuries. It's just the way of the world. But, boy, Marcus Lattimore, he, he makes a difference. He steps on the field. Good things seem to happen to the Saints. Um, boy, I wish we could have had him all year long. Yeah, absolutely. And that's that's the crazy thing about this. You know, we're talking about the defense. They, they just got Marshawn Lattimore back, and Lattimore is one of those special players where you watch that first half and you don't really hear A.J. Brown's name at all, and that's because of what he's able to do. And then the one play that he's not on him, you see A.J. Brown go for, you know, a 60-plus yard touchdown against Paulson Adebo, and then you come back to the fourth quarter, Saints need a stop, and everyone's kind of talking about how the offense can't score and they're going to need the defense to do it for them. So Marshawn says, just, you know, sit back, relax, I'll take it from here. And, again, he's another player. You go into next year and you talk about what he can do, and Marshawn's one of those players where, yeah, we've been hearing his name since 2017, but he's still just 26 years old. He's still, I would say, right in the middle of his prime or maybe in the early stages of his prime. And uh, that was just a reminder for people, just don't forget, obviously he missed a lot of time this year because of the injury he had, but when he's on the field, he is a difference maker, and the Saints are obviously a better team with 23 out there. Chris Rosefoglu with us. Uh, four Saints players who didn't participate in Wednesday's practice returned to work in a limited role today. Marcus May with his shoulder. You mentioned Jawan Johnson with quads. Uh, James Hurst with a foot. Ryan Ramchek. They were upgraded from non-participants to limited participants. Uh, linebacker Chase Hansen uh, was cleared to fully practice a day after being limited. So you had Paulson Adebo out, Andres Pete out uh justin evans Taysom hill ty summer remain limited so push comes to shove when it's week 18 that's not too bad on the injury front it really isn't and and the way i see it for this final game the saints are just going to be you know straight up honest with their players and be like hey are you healthy enough to play if you want to play obviously these guys want to get one more crack at it before they go into the offseason and they won't risk anything uh, you know paulson adebo has been pretty adamant about how he doesn't expect to play and I think that's fine. Saints will give more playing time to Alante Taylor, and we'll be excited to see what the rookie can do. But to your point, uh, and it's kind of unfortunate, the Saints have gotten healthier you know, at this stage of the year. And, and, man, there were games, especially, I'd say, in October, early November, where we were looking at the injury report, and it's like, well, who is playing? And that will be a better indication of who's healthy on this roster because the injury report was so long. So week 18, with most of these being limited situations and the other being guys that aren't, necessarily counted on for huge roles, you'll definitely take it. Who's quarterback in Carolina? You know, that's a fascinating thing for me with, with Carolina's situation because Sam Darnold, um, you know, for all the criticism he's got for the way his career's kind of progressed thus far, prior to the, the Bucks game, I thought he actually did a great job of not turning over the football, uh, no interceptions through his first, I believe, four starts it was, and he did have the pick, and then he had the costly fumble against Tampa, and I know that was kind of a heartbreaker, but uh, I still think he's going to be the guy for at least Week 18, whether or not he's back for another year. Uh, th- them, just like the Saints, are kind of in that boat where they got to figure out what they're going to do. But I think Sam Darnold's shown enough progress, and the chemistry he's had with D.J. Moore, that'll be enough for them to kind of go into it uh, for, for Week 18. And so we'll, we'll get to see Sam Darnold versus Andy Dalton. I think it'll be fascinating because – you know, I think both fan bases are probably ready for a change-up at quarterback, but I can make an argument or at least see some type of scenario where both guys are back for their respective teams. Doesn't mean they'll start, but I can totally see both Darnold and Dalton returning to their teams in 2023. 
I'm going to make you the commissioner for a day. What do you what do you do? What do you tell Buffalo Bill fans, Cincinnati Bengal fans? We've got uh, you know the game because of the most um tragic uh type of scenario that you could ever imagine didn't get to play a game that's that's kind of important to both clubs um what do you tell them what do you do about that game and what do you do about the playoffs yeah i think you know the the one suggestion i saw floating around a lot of people are like hey do they make an eight seed and i just don't love that idea now the ac idea is interesting where you could give the two top seeds by weeks kind of like the old format and then uh, you know, that would kind of sort that issue out between Buffalo and Kansas City. But the thing that I heard that was pretty interesting, and, and that's actually something the more and more I think about it, I kind of like it, is the idea that Buffalo and Kansas City, whichever one finishes with the best record, and right now it'll probably be Kansas City because of the no contest between Buffalo and Cincinnati, there's mm-hmm. a situation where, you know, Kansas City gets to pick. Do you want the bye week or do you want home field advantage throughout the playoffs? I think that's actually fascinating. You kind of give them an option of where they hmm. choose. Now, I don't know if the NFL will actually consider it. It's something that's kind of been talked about among analysts and insiders, just a, a fun idea that maybe the NFL will throw at the table. But that's definitely something, if they want to go out of the box, at least you can still reward both Kansas City and Buffalo in that regard. And then I think the most fascinating scenario, which would kind of be a college football type of thing, is, find a neutral site venue that you can pack the stadium and kind of give it a little bit of a retro AFC look to it where you don't worry about, okay, they're playing at Arrowhead or they're playing in Buffalo in the snow. And um, I think that might be a fair compromise because that could also work out in Cincinnati's favor because Cincinnati technically had an outside shot at the number one seat as well. So I think those are two ideas. The NFL will definitely juggle what they decide to do. I don't know, but I kind of like the idea of splitting home fields and the first round bye between Kansas City and Buffalo. I always say in everything, uh, follow the money. And there's always money involved. For instance, uh, I, I'm excited to say this, but there will be fans uh, from Cincinnati and Buffalo will say, well, look, we didn't get to see the game. We want our money back. And then there's an owner that says, well, uh, wait a minute. We're going to, because of this, we're not going to have a home, home game and I'm not going to be able to make revenue off of parking and concessions and this follow the so that's what that's what they're meeting about in, in this in the league office and all these owners are voicing their opinion it's not an easy fix oh it, it's not and, and i think that's the the good thing is when we're realistic about the situation right i will give the nfl all the credit in the world for you know, making sure they give players the right support this week and making sure they don't resume the game this week. But at the same time, like, we all know when it comes down to this playoff decision, all the owners are going to be in this room and they're going to make the best financial decision for the league because at the end of the day, I know it sounds terrible, but they look at it as a product because uh, in some regards, that's what it is. So I do agree with you 1,000%. The decision that is made, whether it's tomorrow and a couple of days from now after week 18, whatever it is, it's the one that best – suits the NFL, financially speaking, because the playoffs, whether it's ratings, whether it's concession venue stands and, and, and the money they make from that, uh, whether it's the, the TV deals and the revenue they get from there, uh, those are, that's the best time of the year for them, and they want to make sure they can squeeze every last drop out of it. That's why I don't even dismiss the whole eighth seed idea, because that would give the NFL something that they'd probably want, more playoff games, more playoff TV yeah. money. So I think everything's on the table right now. And I don't know... 
I don't think any decision is going to come down until after week 18. We'll see how in touch the NFL is with college football because the national championship game is on Monday. Do they make an announcement on Monday to try to steal thunder away from that game? There's a lot of politics involved here. I hate to say it, even though we're all still praying for the Buffalo Bill player, obviously, but life goes on and follow the money, Chris, follow the money. I hate to say that, but it's a, it's reality. It, it is. And I will say this, Jordan, you mentioned the national championship game. Uh, if there was a year to have the thunder kind of stolen from the national championship game, it, it might be this year because I do think <laughs> that, you know, no disrespect to either program, but Georgia TCU isn't like the flashiest of matchups we've had in the past. So, um, you know, what is surprising if the NFL decides on Monday, Hey, Let's kind of steal the show here and, and bring the conversation back to us. I, I would not be stunned at that yeah, at all. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, it's, it's going to be fascinating uh, to see. And like you said, the, the show kind of does go on. And hopefully, like you know, we've heard today, better news with DeMar Hamlin. If it comes out in 24 hours, 48 hours from now, he's made even further progress. Uh, I think yeah. it would probably give the NFL even more reason to go for it. I'm with you. Um, one last one. Saints favorite three and a half. Do they get to eight wins or do they stick at seven and get that double digit on the, the, the right side of the column? I think the Saints are going to win on, on Sunday. I, I just think right now, um, especially for them, they kind of knew going into week 17, they would need so many things to fall in place where they get into the playoffs. Whereas for the Panthers, it's kind of a crushing blow because they had a chance to really put themselves in the driver's seat by beating Tampa Bay and then, coming back to New Orleans and seeing if they could win another division game there. So uh, I think in terms of energy, it's going to be high for New Orleans. And uh, in a year where it's been so frustrating, they want to finish off with those four-game winning streak. And uh, I know for Dennis Allen, to give him that much more, uh, I guess, vindication going into the offseason because he is expected to come back. And uh, I think that this would be a nice way for them to finish it off. So I don't think it's going to be pretty. Uh, you know, a lot of these Saints games haven't been pretty this year, but I do think with their defense – and also playmakers like Chris Olave, Rashid Shaheed, Taysom Hill, Alvin Kamara really stepping up late. I think they'll make enough plays for them to win, probably around the 20 to 17 range. If so, that's a four-game winning streak. Um, Dennis Allen did not lose the locker room. He's coming back next year. They're not getting rid of him. That That is, you know, everything that we've been told right now. It's it's At this point, if i got to put a percentage – I'd put at least, you know, 95% he comes back. And, and the small percentage I would leave open is that wild scenario of Sean Payton coming back. But I, I just can't see it. I, I would be shocked if it's not Dennis Allen uh, leading next year's team. I'm with you. Chris Rose for glue. You are the best. Thank you so much. Happy New Year. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Happy New Year, guys. All right, buddy. We'll take a quick timeout. We'll come back with more here on the Jordy Heltberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. A recent survey discovered that game listeners prefer our station over watching a mandated webinar at work. Well, thank you, everyone, for coming to this exciting meeting today to discuss... Take that, productivity in the workplace. This is The Game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. All right, welcome back. Um... Just a quick segment here before we get to um, Frank Schwab. I thought about this with with the Pelicans. Um, How many times have we ever have the Pelicans, not we, the Pelicans, had their main trio of their main trio together? C.J. McCollum, Zion Williamson, Brandon Ingram. Not very often. 
if you believe that this team has a chance to make a deep run, I really believe they got to make a deal. They've got to, uh, they got to make a deal. They got to get, they've got to get another guy who can score at all three levels. I, I really think they do too. <laughs> Just because they they never have everybody on the court at the same time, they're always missing somebody. So get a high level shooter off the catch, a good shooter off the dribble. Um, get get a get this guy. He'd be a perfect fit on a team that's constantly, not seldom, not here and there, but constantly missing their best scores. That way you got a chance to continue this thing and, and not fall behind. You lose Zion for three weeks. Ingram hadn't played for a month. I mean, let's make a deal. I'm sorry. I like Jackson Hayes. I like some of these other guys. But, man, I want to win, and I need more consistency and better scoring. Um, God forbid if C.J. McCollum goes down, then what you got? I know everybody deals with injuries, but this is a team that with a good coach that's got the potential of getting to a conference final. I think you got to pull the trigger. I think you got to make a deal when it comes time uh, because you can't count on Zion being there for 80% of the season. You can't count on Brandon Ingram being there 80% of the season. So you're constantly missing them. You get another high-level scorer, now you don't skip a beat. And then when they get, heaven forbid, if they all get together, how do you defend that? I'm just saying. It's just a thought. Um, I was like, don't mess with the chemistry. Yeah, forget that. You know what builds chemistry? Wins. <laughs> Wins. Wins. The most dysfunctional team out there, the Brooklyn Nets. He hadn't heard a peep out of them because they won 12 in a row before last night. 12 in a row. That's chemistry. Winning cures everything. We'll see. We'll see what these pals can do without Ingram, without Zion. For however much longer it is, can they stay afloat? Yeah, they got the win against Houston. Houston stinks. Here comes Brooklyn. And you got to go to Dallas. Oh, it's going to get, could get brutal. Could get brutal. Go get that score. Because whenever, the Pels never have everybody healthy at the same time. They just don't. They just don't. All right. We'll take a quick time out here. Just my thoughts. We'll take a quick th uh, time out. When we come back, the Schwab joins us. Time for week 18 NFL picks here on the Jordy Holtberg Show. Stay with us. The Jordy Holtberg Show prides itself on settling for nothing less than the best. This thing has a variety of nauseating aspects to it. Jordy has the best takes, the best guests, and let's be honest, the best nickname. The Blonde Bomber is cool as hell. I agree. All right. Let's play ball. Back to only the best on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. All right, down to the final week of the regular season of the NFL, Week 18. Let's get in our good friend from Yahoo Sports, Mr. Frank Schwab. Frank, Happy New Year, sir. How you doing, my friend? Good, good. How are you doing, Jordy? I'm doing well. What does the NFL do about uh, Cincinnati Buffalo long term? What uh, What do you think the solution is under the the most um, 
devastating situation with DeMar Hamlin, but it's great to hear that he's he's awake and he's talking. So that's great news. But um, life goes on. Money goes on. Owners are all about money. What what do they do with this? Yeah, it's uh, it really is one of those situations where I think everybody involved has to just realize there's no perfect solution. Whatever the right. NFL decides, we've got to roll with it. I think, unless this has changed really recently, last I looked, they hadn't made a decision. Right. I think it's trending toward just making that game a no contest, going off win percentage. I don't know what they do beyond that. I mean, you've heard a lot of kind of crazy things today, including yeah. adding an eighth playoff team to the AFC or... You know, I, I, the uh, you know the Chiefs get the number one seed, but they can only pick the bye or home field event. Just, I just think he just called a no contest, and and winning percentage determines the seeds, and you just live with it from there. It's not fair yeah. to the Bills. It's not fair to the Bengals. No. It, but it is what it is. Like this is yeah. this is an unprecedented situation, a, a really horrific one, traumatic one. Yes. And I think everybody involved just has to realize, look, what well, this is this is imperfect, but. We'll yeah. roll with it, and we'll we'll see what happens in the playoffs. All right, let, let's get to the fun part of it. Um, and it starts off a couple of games on Saturday. Kansas City's at Vegas. The Chiefs do have a chance to get the top seed in the conference if they win. The Raiders have nothing to play for uh, other than pride. No Derek Carr, Jarrett Stidham. Um, do you give the Raiders any shot? I do, I do. I, and here's the thing. I, I think that it's the whole concept of just playing for pride or you know you heard they got nothing to play for i I don't think that's correct i because we see time and time again especially nfl teams who have been out of it for a while uh Mm -hmm. maybe not the ones eliminated last week because you know there could be a letdown there but i think that these teams who come into week 18 they got nothing to do on monday their their offseason starts they want to finish the season with a win for whatever reason, to, to have a winning record for their coach, uh, just to put something good on film for for other teams before free agency, whatever the motivation is, I think teams do find motivation, and they play hard generally. A few won't. You'll see a few quit, quit on a coach, whatever the situation is. I think the Raiders showed last week they're still playing hard. I think it would be a feather in their cap to knock the Chiefs out of the number one seed. I agree. And I don't know if they can win. But I think they keep this close. I, the Chiefs, okay. the Chiefs have only covered the spread one time in their last nine games. Like this, this wow. is not a team that's blowing everybody out. I think the Raiders keep this close. I think they put on a good show for us. Whether they win or not, I'm not sure. But I think I do think it's going to be a good game. A game of significance. The winner wins the AFC South. Tennessee goes to Jacksonville. The Jags are six and a half point favorites. That surprised me. But uh, what do you think? Yeah, it's just uh, it, it's hard to go against the Titans because Mike Vrabel's such a good coach, and that team fights yeah. hard, and, and they're going to get the best out of what they got. But I just, man, I, I just don't think Joshua Dobbs going on the road and what amounts to a playoff game is, is just what you want to have your money on in this one. Right. I, I'll take the Jaguars. I just I, they're playing really good uh, football. Uh, the Titans are the Titans are a tough out, no matter who they got. That's just kind of their DNA right now. They're one of those teams, but. I just can't see it. I can't see I can't see the Titans winning this game. And if I can't give them really any chance to win the game, I'm just going to take the points. It's not, not that I feel really strongly about, but I, I do think that that's the right side. I got you. Um, 
an important game for both teams. I don't know how Buffalo responds to DeMar Hamlin and that, that situation. Um, yeah. New England comes into Orchard Park. Um, Patriots can get into the playoffs with a win. The Bills are playing for seeding. It's a tough deal. I, I don't know how uh, I, I don't know how you bet on this or Bills are favored by seven and a half to seven. I, I don't know how you I don't know what to expect here. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, I don't know. We don't know how the Bills will, will respond. I, I could see them losing. I could see them winning by 40. I, anything would seem possible. I'm going to go with the Patriots. Just I first try to remove, like, okay, all this you know amateur psychology stuff and just say, well, the Patriots are playing for a playoff berth. They're going to ugly up this game the best they can, keep it low scoring. I'll just take the Patriots and the points. I don't really – it's it's tough. The, the range of outcomes here is obviously really, really wide, and I'm not sure I know uh, I, you know exactly how this one's going to shake out. All right. Um, Cincinnati um, hosting the Baltimore Ravens. What's going on with Lamar Jackson? You keep hearing that they, they're going to have to put the tag on him, and it's not looking good with uh, with Baltimore and Lamar Jackson. I just can't fathom that. I mean, I just, it's a, it's a messy situation. And I mean, it, 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 you know, the conspiracy theorists, and I don't even think it's a conspiracy to, to think that Lamar Jackson might be playing the safe because, uh, because of his contract. I mean, he was supposed to be back already. And even if, even if he seriously is still injured and can't go, it's hard not to connect the dots between the contract situation and him still being out. Um, I hope he's back for the playoffs just because, I, they, you know, they have, so they have no shot without Lamar Jackson. That offense is really, really bad. With Lamar, at least, puncher's yep. chance. I, I I think the Bengals, uh, I don't know. I The Bengals are on that field, too. I don't know what to make of them, Yeah, what, how yeah. they're going to react. I mean, if this all stands as a no contest, then they win the AFC, or, yeah, the AFC North. There's really nothing to play for in this game from their aspect of it. I, I guess the Ravens. This is a really, really hard one. I, I mean, just because there's so many moving pieces here, right. and we just don't know what's. Gonna, we really just don't know what's going to happen with that uh, with that Bills Bengals game yet. I'm with you. Uh, who knows? Um, New York Giants at Philadelphia. The Eagles favored by 14. The Eagles can lock up the top seed if they win the game. The Giants are locked in to the sixth seed. Brian Dable says he's going to play his starters. Um, if the Eagles look up and see that uh, you know that Dallas isn't going to be taking care of their business, do the Eagles play their start? Do they play Jalen Hurts? What do you do with a guy that hasn't played in a while? Um, what if he's 90%? Not 100%. What if he's 90%? What do you do with Jalen Hurts? It's really tough. It's really, really tough. And I'm I'm 100% sure that if you, uh, if you, you know, I asked the Eagles at a private moment, they'd, they'd just be kicking themselves over having to make this decision. They should have the NFC strapped up. They yep. should be the number yep. one seed. They should be able to say, hey, Jalen Hurts maybe could play a series, two series, just give his feet wet, and, you know, whatever. I think they ought to play this game like they need to win it. I, I, I don't yeah. think that they could take anything for granted. Me and you could sit here and say, ah, oh, they're 14-point favorites. They don't need Hurts in this game. They, that's not how NFL teams think. That's not how the NFL works either. We could keep upset another, you know, every week. I think the Eagles have to play this almost like a playoff game. And I if Jalen Hurts can go, I think he goes the whole game. I don't think the Cowboys roll over because they can win the NFC East. So I think they're going to be playing hard. And I don't think the Eagles are going to get this reprieve, basically. I don't think I, 
I don't know how Brian Dable is going to play this. He's a first-time head coach. But he comes out and basically says, I'm planning on playing the starters. I kind of believe him. Uh, teams adopt. Look, I don't agree with that. If I was a coach, no way in heck my starters would be playing Week 18 if our seed was wrapped up. That's but right. A lot of coaches subscribe to, hey, we want to keep momentum going, we want to keep sharp, uh, whatever. Dable might be one of those guys. So I take him at his word that they're going to play hard. I, I think the Giants keep this close. I, I mean, maybe not you know, three points close, but enough to cover 14. I think. I think they're just, you know, once you get in the mindset, hey, we're going to play, well, then you play. And you, you play hard and you play competitively, and I think the Giants are going to do that in this game. Now, when he says, I'm going to play my starters, he didn't say I'm going to play them for the whole game. He said, I'm going to play. They True. may just play a quarter. It may be like an exhibition game, the last exhibition game. You play a, a quarter, and then you put everybody else in. So it's to be determined what he actually means by that. But um, who knows? Dallas at Washington, the commanders, they, they have no offense whatsoever. Um Dallas pushing to win the division if the Eagles lose, so they got to they got to treat this like a big playoff game. They got to play their guys. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I mean, I just it, it's hard for me to believe Washington after the way they were eliminated last week. Have you know everybody knew Carson Wentz wasn't going to get it done, and then he doesn't. It's disheartening a little bit for those players, and maybe the rookie Sam Howell, who they're going to start, I guess, this week gives them a spark, but. This Dallas team has to play like they got to like. I don't think you could just go into this game and say, "Well, the Eagles are going to take care of business against the Giants. We're not going to play our starters. We're not going to take this seriously." You got to play it out and see what happens. Maybe the Giants pull off a miracle. And Dallas has had a history the past few years, multiple coaches. So it's a Jerry Jones thing where they play their starters week 18, no matter what. And so if they do that, why wouldn't they be playing when they're still alive for the NFC East? I think they play their guys. I think they play normally. And I think they blow out the commanders just because they're a much, much better team. Yeah. Um, Frank Schwab with us, Yahoo Sports. I can't believe I'm saying that if the Green Bay Packers beat the Detroit Lions, they're in the playoffs. What... What turned things around with this club? I mean, what did they do? Did they just say, look, we, we don't have enough good wide receivers. We're just going to run the ball. We're going to run the ball. We're going to play better defense. I don't know. What is it? I don't know. I, I mean, they they played better. I mean, I think it's the defense. The defense has really come alive a little bit. I mean, this offense hasn't blown anybody away yet. They put up a lot of points last week, but a lot of that was just Minnesota shooting themselves in the foot over and over again. This Packers team is... They're getting hot. Uh, they're not a team I'd want to play in the first round, but I don't know that they've necessarily arrived. I don't know if this is necessarily a Super Bowl team. I think they get blown out by the 49ers in, in wildcard weekend, and I'm not even positive that they win on Sunday. Uh, there was a lot of conspiracy theorists on Twitter saying, oh, the, the NFL just put the Packers on Sunday Night Football because they want to get them an easy win. The Seahawks are going to win. The Lions are going to have nothing to play for. They're going to mail it in. And I just keep thinking, have you paid any attention to Dan Campbell? At all, like you know who this guy is. You think he's just gonna yes. tell us him to lay down? I, yes. I think it's even. I could make a crazy argument that they're more dangerous if they don't have a playoff spot on the line because there's no pressure. I think they're gonna play just as hard. I, they want to get a winning season. They want to knock the Packers out of the playoffs. They, they just play hard generally for Dan Campbell. Yeah. You're gonna get an A plus perform or effort at least out of the Lions. I think if the Lions lose, they're just gonna lose because they got you know beat by right. a, a decent Packers team. It is not going to be because they mail it in. Whatever, it, don't don't use that in picking this game because the Lions are going to give you the best effort they got. Winner, I think whether playoffs are on the line or not, 
I think the Lions plus four and a half is probably my favorite play this week. I think I think this is close. It. I think the Lions could win. I, I the Lions over the last two months have been the better team. Uh, yeah. The last few weeks, maybe the Packers have been better, but the Lions have been playing. Uh, aside from that stinker against Carolina, yeah. they've been playing good football, and I think they come out here with a really, really good effort, and I think that they're going to have a chance to win it. I'm with you, Dan Campbell. Um, he'll get him motivated. There's no doubt. It yep. means nothing to the league, but it means a lot to this area of the world. It's a NFC South matchup with nothing to play for other than can the Saints get to eight wins and be eight and nine, which sounds and feels a lot better than seven and ten. They're at yep. home hosting the Carolina Panthers. Saints are three and a half point favorites. Look, if you had told me, there's no way I, I would have bet that. The Saints could have gone into Cleveland and win and then back that up with a win in Philadelphia. But their defense has been really good of late. Yeah, they're playing well. They're they're playing hard. I I I, I like the Panthers. I think they're actually kind of a sneaky okay team. I'll take three and a half points with them well fully acknowledging that, you know, when we talk about nothing to play for or whatever, I think teams do have something to play for. But I also think when you have your dreams crushed a week before, it's hard to get back up. And the Carolina Panthers were up 21-10 in the fourth quarter of a game that if they win it, they're probably going to win the NFC South. Or this was yeah. the NFC South championship game this week. And to, to lose that lead, to have your dreams crushed, all of a sudden be eliminated that suddenly, it's hard to bounce back from that. I think the Panthers are a pretty good team. I think these two teams are even. And if you give me more than a field goal with one of them, I'd just take it blindly. So I'll take the Panthers. But it wouldn't surprise me either if the Panthers, the Panthers are really, really flat in this game after pretty much blowing a chance to win the division last week. Okay. Um, for a lot of teams, it'll be over with by Sunday. Uh, some teams will be in the playoffs, but Monday comes around. It's Black Monday. I've asked you this before. Are we going to have a busy Black Monday? Are we going to have some uh, – or is it going to be relatively calm in your, in your prognosticatorial mode? I think it's going to be really calm. I – we, you know, we had uh, obviously we got to prepare for this stuff, uh, you know, and we in talking, you know, among work people, kind of like, okay, let's let's lay out who might, you know, get fired. Kingsbury comes up. I think that's it'd be hard for me to believe Kingsbury comes back. Oh, who knows? He's got this long contract extension. Maybe I, I doubt it though. Okay. We talked about Dennis Allen, but I think Dennis Allen they they've done well enough late in the year that I don't think he's a one and done anymore. I think he give him a second year or so. I just don't think he gets fired. Lovey Smith is an interesting case. I mean, it's really, really rare. It's only happened to two franchises. Well, one franchise has done it twice since the 1970 merger where they've had back-to-back one-and-done coaches. The hmm. 49ers actually did it three straight years in the 70s. So yeah. for the Houston Texans to fire Lovey Smith back-to-back, it's pretty rare for that to, to be the case. Obviously, they had one-and-done with David Coley last year. And who else? Like, I mean, there's going to be a surprise. One team always surprises us, whether it's like something, the Titans losing their mind and firing Mike Vrabel. I don't think that's going to happen. But something like that where we're just like, whoa, we never saw that coming. One of those will happen. But I think all the teams that are pretty much going to make their moves have made their moves. The Panthers, the Colts, the Broncos. We've had those three. And I think Arizona's the only other one where I'd say, yeah, that, that's a likely thing to happen. <laughs> Anything else I think is either going to be a surprise or, you know, in the, the Houston case is probably 50-50 at this point. Do you think Sean Payton coaches next year? Do you think uh, – I, I thought he wanted to go to the Chargers. Um, that, they're not going to fire that guy. They got to the playoffs. Right. Um, I don't think Dennis Allen's going anywhere. So where, where does Sean Payton go, if anywhere? It, it, it's going to depend how, uh, you know, it, it, 
de- not desperate. It's not the right word, but but how much urgency he has to get back to coaching? Because yeah. I mean, we just talked about the the various openings that are going to happen. Maybe right. the Texans would appeal to him because it's a clean slate. Basically, there's nothing on that roster, but they're pretty much stocked back up with picks and cap. Mm-hmm. Arizona's got a quarterback coming off an ACL injury. I don't know if they want mm-hmm. that. I don't know mm-hmm. that he wants to go to Denver and try to fix Russ. That doesn't seem like a great job yeah. opening. Maybe Carolina, because that division is pretty bad, but the Saints got to agree to a trade, too. And if you're the Saints, yeah. you're told the, the Panthers, are, the, the price is twice as much for you. Yes. you want to yes. If you want to pay double, we'll, we'll let you have Sean Payton, but we're not letting this guy coach in our division for the next however many years without you paying through the nose for it. I'm with so, you. I don't know. I, I just... There's no obvious fit. There's no team where I'm like, yes, that makes sense. Like, exactly. yeah, of there's course. A, like, Sean Payne would want to go coach like last year, Trevor Lawrence, and Jackson, the first round of the playoffs, and There's nothing like that. Look out. Yep, I believe that that's a possibility. We'll see. Um, uh, give me your top four teams in the NFL right now. Who's the best team in your book? I still think the Eagles are up there just because they lost at home with their backup quarterback. Who, yeah. like you said, the Saints defense is playing pretty well. I don't care. Like as long as they win on Sunday, get that number one seed. I yeah. think they've been the best team from start to finish. I think the Bills are still up there. Bengals are still up there. Chiefs. I, I gotta, you know. I mean, but I gotta fit the Forty ers in there somewhere. Yeah. So yeah. I guess for now, I'm kicking the Bengals out of that top four. 49ers got to go in there. I, this rookie you. quarterback, I don't know how long you can keep this going, but, man, the <laughs> team around him is good. That defense is nasty. They got skill guys. That's a great team and a great story. So the, the, it has to be, for me, 49ers, Eagles, Chiefs and Bills, and I feel really, really bad leaving the Bengals out of that top four. We'll put top five then. Uh, last question. 49ers keep winning. Uh, they win this Sunday. Um, Garoppolo is cleared to play. What do you do? Do you put him back in the starting lineup, or you leave the rookie in there? I think you leave the rookie in there. I really do. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm going against Jimmy, and you, you know we've seen him go to a Super Bowl and almost win one. Yeah. But I, I think, I think at some point there's almost like the Tom Brady, Drew Bledsoe thing, where you just say we're playing really, really good football, and we just got to trust that we can keep this going. And I think that no matter what, I think it's Purdy's job for the rest of the season, and you just see where it goes and. Maybe you just have this once-in-a-lifetime story. Like, I told you, we've talked about this. No rookie has ever started a Super Bowl quarterback. No third-string wow. quarterback has ever won a Super Bowl quarterback. Like, they're trying wow. to do something that's doubly unprecedented. But I watch this 49ers team play every week, and I say, why not? I mean, this why is, not? for my money, the team that's playing the best in the NFL right now. For my money, Frank Schwab's the best in the business. Thank you. Enjoy the, the final week of the regular season, my friend. Absolutely. I appreciate it. All right. We'll be back to wrap it all up here on the Jordy Helpert Show. Here's three pieces of advice to live by. Never play cards with a guy whose last name is a state. Don't spit into the wind. And always listen to the Jordy Helpert Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. All right, we are back to wrap things up on this Thursday, January 5th. 
Hope you enjoyed it half as much as uh, we did. Big ball game tonight for the Cajuns taking on Southern Miss. We appreciate Andrew Abadie for his insight and letting us know what Southern Miss is all about. Blake Lavelle of uh, at 14 Southeastern with his thoughts on um, the national championship game Monday and SEC hoops. Chris Roseverglue, Saints versus the Panthers, and Frank Schwab from Yahoo Sports. Tomorrow, um, we'll talk about a lot of stuff uh, for sure. The regular crowd, Larry Holder will show up. Frank, um, uh, George Faust will show up. Um, George Becknell, James, and I will make our weekly picks and do all kinds of fun, fun things. So we certainly hope you will join us then. If today is your birthday, happy birthday from all of us to all of you. Robert Duvall is 92 years old today. From the golfing world, Miguel Angel Jimenez is 59. And one of the great names, still popping champagne. Every time an NFL team loses a game, uh, Mercury Morris of the Miami Dolphins is 75 years old. Kick, Zonka, Morris, Greasy, Warfield. Huh. What an offense. What a club. What a club. Uh, James Mesh, thank you, sir. Thanks to all of you for listening in, whatever form or fashion that you do. Thanks to our partners that make it possible. Until tomorrow, I'm Jordy Helper. Stay thirsty, my friends. Do everything you can to stay healthy. Let's be kind to one another. And, hey, be happy. It's a beautiful day. We'll see you tomorrow. So long, everybody.